0: My name is Charlene Jiraghi and I'm the host of the Mind Over COVID-19 podcast. Today is the second episode entitled Teachers, Administrators, and COVID-19. The purpose of this podcast episode is to discuss how educators maintain a healthy environment both physically and mentally for the students and the staff within the schools during this COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast will also focus on how this pandemic has impacted the students' mental health as they deal with isolation, virtual learning, depression, anxiety, and fear of the unknown about their future academic success. Teachers and administrators must make serious decisions, not only for their students, but for their own children who are students within some sort of school system. As a result, this also has an impact on the teachers and administrators' mental health. Here's some background information. As we maneuver through this pandemic, there are a lot of adjustments that we must make in our daily lives. Some of these inju- adjustments includes limiting inter- interactions with our loved ones, wearing masks when we go out, working from home, and deciding the best options for schooling, options for schooling our children if you have an option. When the pandemic hit in Georgia, March 2020, as soon as positive cases began to surface in the schools, schools immediately began to close to protect the health of students and staff. By the middle of April, most schools in Georgia were closed and virtual learning began for all K-12 through students. This was a new concept for most schools, not only in Georgia, but in the United States. There are several challenges with virtual learning. Some of these challenges included ensuring children have the necessary technology for, to facilitate virtual learning, access to healthy meals, additional academic resources, resources, such as counseling and therapies, ensuring teachers also have appropriate environment at home and necessary technology and training to conduct virtual learning for their students. As the school year came to an end, teachers and administrators began to plan what school will look like for the upcoming year. During the summer, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention released some recommendations for schools to consider. Some of these recommendations included practicing social distancing, wearing proper face cloak coverings, practicing proper and frequent hand washing among both students and staff, maintaining a healthy and clean environment, repurposing unused or underutilized school spaces to increase classroom space, um, eating lunch in the classroom, minimizing class changes, reducing class sizes, and many, many more. As we know, in order to consider any of the recommendations, a lot of planning is involved. As the administrators and teachers began making the necessary safety precautions There needs to be a plan on how to make the accommodations while keeping the students and staff mentally healthy and safe. We know living in a bubble can be mentally taxing on anyone. As I conducted research in preparation for this podcast, I found some interesting information that schools should consider as they begin to open for face-to-face learning or virtual learning. I know a lot of this information is already familiar to the administrators, teachers, and staff, but our listeners may be unaware. As you know, for some students, the school is the primary mental health provider. I found a survey that was conducted by the American Civil Liberties Union of Southern California shortly after the schools began to close in March. Approximately 650 students from 49 school districts in California responded. More than 50% of the respondents said they were they are in need of mental health support. And 22% of those respondents said they were receiving some type of support before the closure. But now with limited or no access to mental health services, 37% said their mental health needs have increased since school closed. Here here are a few examples of some of the um, things the students said in the survey. I have to balance my classes Zoom meetings, homework, AP exams to study for and work. Currently, I'm only one working in my family. Therefore, I provide any necessities for my family. I work during the night, so it's difficult for me to wake up early. My mom works at a hospital where she is exposed every day to coronavirus and I'm worried something will happen to her. Another student said, the amount of time that I spend with with my family makes us more susceptible to fighting and we have no way to spend time apart. So it turns into a cycle of me getting yelled at. Another student also said that they, um, in addition to working through their virtual assignments, they're helping their younger siblings work through their virtual assignments because their their, their parents are not as tech savvy as they are, so they have the burden of their own work and helping their younger siblings. In closing, I know that you have heard similar comments and experienced experience some of this from your own students and staff. And what I thought would be helpful with our discussion today is to talk through some of those things you're experiencing within the schools that impact all stakeholders' mental health and. What we can do as a community to help lessen the mental health health impact on all. So today we're going to talk to two um, school educators, one principal and one teacher. So let's go ahead and dive in. For so joining the second episode of Mind Over COVID, today we're talking to two educators and... Um, about their experience in working in education, um, working with COVID within their their schools. And um, we're gonna start out by having um, the speakers introduce themselves. So, um, speaker number one, if you could introduce yourself, tell us what capacity um, you worked within the school system and how long you've worked in education.
1: Hello, my name is Tamika. I am an educator in um, a Metro Atlanta school district. We were, um, I'm in a school district where we were one of the only school district to start operating face-to-face. We started first. I've been an educator for 20 years, and I teach high school. I'm a high school science teacher.
0: Okay, speaker number two.
2: How are you doing? Um, My name is uh, Frankie, and I am a principal in a a metro Atlanta um, high school, uh, school district. Um, I've been in education for about 19 years. Um, I am uh, heavily invested in the mental welfare of uh, in the impact that COVID-19 has had on our students and on the front lines of trying to really be strategic on figuring out how to serve my community. So that's my angle um, and that's, my, uh, that's how I approach it.
0: Okay, great. Okay, so, um, so Tamika, you already talked about um, that your school is face-to-face. Frankie, is your school face-to-face or virtual?
2: No, we are virtual, um, remote learning. Teachers are in the building, but students are at home. Okay. As of now.
0: Okay. Okay, so since the pandemic, planning for your schools here has changed. Um, What are some of the things you had to consider that you thought you would never have to consider in your field?
2: Well, for me, I mean, um, as it related to planning, um, of course, you after doing this job for so many years, your planning becomes um, pretty automatic, and you know the structures every year from the beginning to the end, Um, with this, it it forced us to ask ourselves questions that we normally wouldn't ask in a planning situation, and um, it allowed us to see, you know, for for one perspective, um, how some, I guess someone would say how unsafe we had been in the past. So um, as we were planning for the future, you know, we had to ask ourselves a lot of questions around safety and security, um, and talk through those, uh, those, those processes to ensure that, you know, we had safety for staff and students, if they were to come to the building.
1: Okay. Or for me, for me, um, because I am a teacher, I am a science teacher. I had to totally rethink how I delivered instruction. A big thing for um, a big thing for me is labs. It's like how do I how do I do labs? Do normally in a in a typical high school lab, you can have six to seven people in at one lab station, right? And so they're all under each other and they're using the same beakers, the same hot plate, the same thermometers, they're all touching everything. So I just kind of had to think about that process. What do I want that to look like? How do I give them the same experience without you know putting putting them at risk essentially? And then also, you know, I, I tell people all the time social distancing and education doesn't go together. I cannot properly do my job, at least this is how I feel. After 20 years, I can't properly do my job socially distancing from my students. I cannot just, if, if you see a teacher and she's standing behind her desk the whole class period, I'm gonna show you a poorly managed class. Part of class management is proximity. We do, we, we do use our bodies to get close to those students. That's that's an effective way of redirecting behavior. So, you know, just things like that. Our our students are not mandated to wear masks. There's no county mandate where the students have to wear masks. So I would say 85 to 90% of my students don't have masks. So, or or if they have them, they're not wearing them. So for me, how do I still properly do my job, but yet protect myself and my family? And so, yeah, it has, you know, brought about a a
2: certain level of. Insight. And if I can add to that, even from the perspective of most teachers, I would say most because I am not say all were not, you know, did not go to school and get their degree in virtual, you know, education. So this is a shift that we had to also, you know, answer questions, answer the question, things that we had to plan for that we normally wouldn't which is how to prepare teachers to properly educate or instruct students, you know, in a socially distanced classroom or completely virtual, because there are going to be some things that you would or could or would or should not be doing um, as stated earlier when you're in that type of, uh, you know, environment. So it's like a whole mindset change that had to be considered.
0: Okay. Tamika, can you give me an example? You were saying how you had to rethink how you structure your classroom. Can you give me an example of one thing that you had to do like with the labs? How are are they sharing the utensils? Were you able to order more so everybody has their own? How are you?
1: How were you able to work that? If 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 you want if you want the truthful mm-hmm. answer. I, I I did a lab last week and I, I did the lab completely as I would have done any other lab. I made no adjustments. Okay. Hopefully. Um I, I almost did not tackle that, but in, in my county, you had a choice. You had the face-to-face choice, you had the virtual choice. Parents had the right to choose. So for those parents who chose face-to-face for their children, for whatever reason, whether you got to work, whether you're just tired of them being at home, whatever, you are sending your children to have to go for a face-to-face experience. Our, our district, as Frankie was saying, that they were training their key, their teachers on, like, you know, okay, hey, well, maybe you used to do this. You, you cannot do this anymore. We didn't receive that type of protocol. For us, it's business as usual. So I'm operating as business as usual. Okay.
0: Okay. That's a very, you know, and, and, and that's a good point. I think that's a really good point that when we think about, okay, you sent your child for face-to-face and this is what face-to-face entails. You know, of course, we're going to be as safe as possible, but some things we're going to have to come in close proximity of each other. So that's a very good point.
1: And I will say that, you know, I, you know I'm i making them wash I mean, they always have to wash everything out when they're done, but I'm kind of making them, I wa- you know, they had to wash it out before, you know, don't just trust that the class before you did it properly. So just kind of wash everything down before and after, you know, wipe up around your area before you get started. You know, and And I really these are high schoolers. So I put a lot of the responsibility on them. And I will say this. I will say this. I forgot to mention this. I did give my students the option. If they did not want to do the, the lab, the real hands-on lab, I did give them a virtual option. I did. Okay. No one's, and I would like to add that no one took it. Everyone wanted okay. to do it.
0: OK. All right, so as I was conducting my research and watching the news, um, The fact that teachers, parents, administrators, and and you both fall into the the parents role and teachers role, um, feel that their health, just in my research, I'm not saying this is according to you, but um, feel that their health has to take a backseat to providing quality education to students Um, What has been done within your school district to assure that these parents and teachers are making the right decision for our children, students, and staff?
2: Well, as far as what we've put in place, um, there were some parameters put in place by the district, but I had to reinforce um, specifically of what I wanted to see. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, what I... Uh, you know, communicate to the staff who's, who are in the building that this is not a microcosm of the United States. Like, it's not free will, unfortunately, here. So <laughs> because this is your job, there are going to be some things that you, regulations are going to have to be followed or there will be consequences. And one of the things is, of course, masks is mandatory. So what I always say is, you know, when you get out of your car, it's recommended that you put a mask on. But when you hit that front door, it's required that you put that mask on. Um, As they move throughout the buildings, um, you know, we have staff who go, you know, I've instructed them to go straight to their classroom, close the door, and then at that point in time, you can take your mask off because you're in isolation. However, if you come out of that room, it must be back on. We also implemented, of course, all the one-way, you know, signs on the ground. We have hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, you know, um, I mean, we just kind of really put a lot into it. But the main thing was just staying distant from each other. Now, the main the other piece of this is what my school district put in place to uh, respond to, you know, it, it, with individuals being in the building. So right now, like I said, it's only teachers in the building. And then, of course, you may have uh, situations where a teacher or a staff member may, you know, been uh, may have t- tested positive. Due to um, the interaction with a family member or something like that, so there has been a, you know, a hotline if you want to say, put in place that if a staff member, you know, tests positive or um, is taking a test, plan on taking a test, or was in direct direct contact with someone who was um, positive, then they have to report it to that particular uh, area in the district. Then they will get direct. Um, feedback on what should be done next based off of that individual who they will be speaking to. Sometimes it may say you're at low risk you can go back to work or sometimes it can be you're at high risk stay home uh, until you get the word. So you know we have a district level um, response and then we have a school level response to how to keep staff safe. Now when students are introduced back in it will not be as easy. Uh, just as stated by Tamika earlier, once you bring students in, I, you can't, you know, really make, as as of right now, a consequence for a student walking down the hallway without a mask. Um, so it will go back into student choice. And that's where we have to kind of look into um, how to now put some more parameters in place for safety.
1: Okay. Charlene, can you um, repeat the question for me? I, I don't. I'm trying to remember what the original question sure. was.
0: Uh, what paint? Well, I rephrased it. As I conducted my research and watched the news, the fact that teachers, parents, and administration administrators feel that their health has to be take a back seat to providing quality education to students. What have you done within your school district? or within your school to ensure that you are making the right, that, that parents and um, are making the right decisions um, to send their kids to school, or the administration, I mean, the staff is making the right decision to come to school and teach.
1: Okay. Hmm.
0: I, I guess it's really mostly how are you comforting the parents? Like, for instance, for you, how are you comforting the parents to let them know that okay, you chose face to face, but they're in good hands while they're while they have this face to face option.
1: I don't think there's. I, I don't think it's my responsibility to comfort the parents. The the district sent out. The guidelines the district sent out what was going to be done, and at that deci- at that time, as a parent, then you read those guidelines and you make that decision. Okay. Um, so I, that's not that's not my responsibility. That that burden doesn't lie on me. That burden lies on the school district, in which they they issued something about what was going to be done, um, which is really, to be honest with you, just not a whole mm-hmm. lot. I mean, honestly, it's just it's I mean, they don't eat in a cafeteria. I will say they have made these um, decisions when the students get to school, they go straight to their classrooms. There's no hanging out in the courtyard. There's no hanging out um, in the hallway. Students are not allowed to gather together and congregate in the hallway before school, they're not allowed to do it after school, and then they're not allowed to do it within class periods. Previously, when the students came to school, got off the bus or whatever, those who drove, they can hang out in the courtyard, they can go to the cafeteria, because the students were not allowed into the other areas of the building until a certain time. Now, when those students get to school, they go straight to their classroom. They're eating breakfast in their classrooms. They're not in the cafeteria, so they're eating lunch in their classrooms. So that's one of the things that they've done to keep so many students from being together. We were asked to turn all of our um, desks one direction so all there's no you know how sometimes stu- um, teachers may group desks and you know two students are facing another two students Well, all of our desks have to face the same way. So that's something that is new. And besides that, that's nothing. As as I said before, there's no mask mandate. We have sanitizer if the students want to use them. I will tell you this: I have Clorox wipes. I have um, I have spray. You know, I tell the students when they walk in, you know, spray your desk. Some do, some don't. 80 to, 80 to 90% of them don't. So, I mean, that's just the reality of it. Okay. We're not having meetings. There's no faculty meetings or anything like that. There's no big assembly of meetings amongst the staff. There's no assemblies, you know, normally during the first week of school, the ninth grade would have an assembly, 10th, 11th, 12th. So we're not we're not doing any mass gatherings. I would say that's the biggest difference.
0: Are they doing sports?
1: They are doing sports. Yes. We had our first game Friday night. Sports are sports are as usual. How sports changed is. There's no tickets per se. You have to everything is electronic, so you have to buy your ticket to the event online. And so when you get to the game, you're kind of scanned in. So that's their that's the touchless way of doing things. So we're not collecting money,
2: okay.
1: but yes, yeah, sports are <laughs> sports are still up and running. Clubs are still up and running. I mean we're we're operating exactly as we would have operated pre-COVID, other than, as I said, where there's no mass gatherings.
2: Yeah, for for us, uh, you know, we are still considering sports. However, it will be at a a percentage of people who would would normally be in the stadium is the only thing. And I know some of our neighboring districts, they have already said no fans at all. However, I think we may be looking at a 20 or 25% um, capacity of what we could uh, host in our stadium for at least football. Uh, for the other sports, um, we're still waiting to hear.
1: No mama, no daddy at the games. Mm. Well, what we're doing is we're selling tickets, and when the tickets sell out, the tickets sell out. So the, the stadium will not be to capacity. And they release the link to parents first. And then after that, they open okay. it up to the rest of the okay. community.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So we're going to shift now to start talking about the second purpose of this. Or one of the, it's still the primary purpose. But thinking about the mental health of the students, the administrators, the staff. And um, uh, so I want to think about that and so in regards to mental health, what are some of the challenges about this school year that has caused anxiety or depression among you, your staff, colleagues,
1: and or students? Well, I'll I'll speak for me. Um, I've I've since since I've went back to work face to face. I've I've COVID tested twice. Thankfully, both times have been negative. But I've but I've COVID tested twice. I've been exposed quite a bit. There there are cases in the building amongst teachers and students and i started displaying some symptoms last week what i thought was symptoms so i went and got tested and so it does bring about a certain a, a lot of anxiety because if your throat is sore you normally would just kind of ignore it and be like oh i'm just gonna you know take something but now you cannot ignore anything that goes on with your body and and it's, it's anxiety. It's, it's when I see the principal coming down the hallway, I already know he's going to knock on the door to tell that teacher in that room that they've had a student test positive. I've never hated to see an administrator coming. I mean, but now when you see them coming and they have that clipboard in, they, in their hand, you just hope the door is not yours that they're knocking on. You know, and they've, and, and, and my door has been knocked on quite a few times. So, I mean, that brings about anxiety within itself. So, it's just one of those things where you got to have a job. It's really nothing that you can do about it, but honestly, work. And if you, you know, and if you, you know, pray, just rely on your faith and do the best that you can do to keep yourself safe but it 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 does make you anxious it it makes you it makes you highly it makes you highly anxious
2: yeah and I feel the same way I think you know that that anxiousness being there you know you know anytime someone comes close to you 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 know you want to back up you know it's just an uncomfortable feeling when you have to go to work and it does feel like sometimes that you know, you I, we know we're in a service, um, you know, service area, or what we do, but at this point in time, you know, the service is sometimes may feel like it's going beyond what we signed up for. Um, one of the things also that I think about from the middle health standpoint um, is not just myself, but also think about like the teachers or students at home. You know, um, a lot of things have changed for them. Um, just you know, just kind of focusing on the students where uh, I think you can look at the data and probably check it, that a lot of our, um, um, what are they called? What, what, hey, what's the word I'm trying to say? A lot of our students who would normally report, uh, you know, abuse or harassment uh, to the, you know, Defact Center, those numbers have went down. And it's not because that things have changed in the home. It's just that they don't have a trusted adult to share that information with. So, you know, you think about, you know, for me, what keeps me up at night is, you know, just hearing that, you know, I have students who may have been abused in a manner that, you know, is permanent, you know, or fatal, or, and we can't do anything about it because we're not there to assist them. From the standpoint of, you know, focusing on teachers, the same thing, you know, they're putting their, in their mind, you know, and it's all true, they're putting their lives on the line right now to actually, you know, do a job. And it may feel, you know, unfair, and, you know, I'm there to kind of help calm some of that anxiety. And, I, you know, I left my door open. Or, and I mean, not physical door, but my, my virtual door, if you want to say, open to really discuss that. And I know that it's, de- it's definitely, you know, difficult on all of us. Um, but, you know, even for my, my office, one of the things I try to do is not push so hard on things that, you know, I know we should have expectations, but I also have to understand these are people and human. They have emotions and feelings. So, you know, really kind of be empathetic to how people feel because this is a very difficult time to work. And then you turn on the news and then the first thing you see is how many deaths are in the US or so how many people have caught COVID in your area. And and like I said earlier, if someone's coming to knock on your door or email you or call you to let you know you've been exposed. And now you have to go home to a family or you know, friends and family. And you don't want to expose them, so now you feel like you're the person, you know, with the you know scarlet letter on your chest. So it's it's a very thin line between you know being really sane and and being just over the top worried because it's all around us and we just do not know how to properly uh, react to it. Um, I think because of what we're getting and not getting.
0: And Frankie, you made two um, important points in what you just said. The first one was in the research that I did for the previous podcast, my previous podcast focused on mental health professionals and COVID-19 because they're working both sides of the fence. They're a human, they're a mother, a daughter, a wife, and then they're a mental health professional. So they're trying to get us through, but they need help getting through it too. But one thing that they talked about is now you know, because of COVID, the mental health professionals have to service their clients via um, telehealth. And so they're noticing that their clients aren't, some of them don't, they rather not have an appointment because they're not in a safe environment at home to talk about it. If I have to talk about it on the phone with my mm-hmm. mama sitting next to me, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be as open.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: they, they notice that. And then the second thing that I have to admit, you know, I, I I'm a communicator at heart so I love to do research and I love to write like if I could do that all day every day I would do it so in my other my other um, what I wanted to say and relate uh-uh, how it relates to that is research always en- enlightens me and I've, I always come to when I hear something on the news I'm like oh, why, why they do that why, why, why they decide to do that but one thing in my research Frankie when you were talking about your staff are in the classroom teaching, even though they don't have this, the students are at home. And I said, well, why would they do that? But the same facts that you mentioned about the students having a safe environment, teachers are human too, and everybody don't go home to a safe environment that's conducive for them to teach mm-hmm. their lessons. True. And they when they're at and when they're in the classroom, physically in the classroom. They, they're they in the mindset. They don't have the distraction from maybe an abusive partner or a, a, a child that requires a lot of their time or they may, whatever the, the circumstance may be, everybody doesn't have that environment where they can conduct class from their home for the same reasons that some kids can't learn from home. So I, I, I just wanted to kind of piggyback on what you um, mentioned earlier, because yeah. my, my frame of thought on that um, last point really shifted after I started doing my
1: research. Yeah,
2: good
0: point. Um, okay, so Frankie, this question, and I couldn't get a clear answer in my research, but as a principal, are you, and I know you kind of touched on it in the beginning, are you allowed to make additional uh, modifications or whatever the district um, uh, states you have to go with that? Can you go over and beyond?
2: Um, I think there's a little flexibility about going above and beyond. I mean, over the, the district says, but technically, what the district is asking us to do is pretty much as far as we. Can, I would want to go anyway. I mean, like I said, the only thing would have been if masks were um, not mandatory. I probably would have said in this building they are, and just had to get my hands slapped for it. But I mean, even with that, that's that's mandatory. We have signage everywhere, um, and I think that if it's any flexibility, maybe of how to and you know how to communicate what the district is, you know, telling us to communicate, but. Um, it, it's it's pretty much set for us. I, I would say I think our district has done a really good job of listening to the leadership um, throughout the summer as we planned, and um, you know taking the slow and getting the right answers before we go into um, and before we went into the school year. Uh, we know this is you know uh, unfortunately politics around us, and you know being in an area or district that you know is on the news or you Know makes national news for you know basically making a decision that probably should have been reconsidered is not something that we really want to do, so we're going to move really slow with you know opening up and sending kids back and without a lot of research and uh, thought and processes behind it. Okay,
0: okay, so this next question, um, think okay, so. Actually, the students have been virtual for, really since March. And um, I wanna know that, I separated these questions, but now I think I'm gonna kind of combine them. Um, Since they've been virtual since March, I want to know, um, can you see the impact on your students' academic performance since moving virtually, since March? And is it better? Is it the same? Have they regressed? And also, what can we do as parents? What can you do as teachers and administrators um, to get them back on track or to help them stay on track if they are progressing well? Um, Any advice on that?
1: Well, I'll I'll, I'll speak because um, I'm in the classroom. Well, let me just talk about my daughter. I have two two daughters. One is a senior and one is in sixth grade. The senior is at home virtual school. Again, my county had the option virtual or face-to-face. She wanted to do virtual. I was totally fine with that decision. I did not make that decision for my sixth grader because mommy has to work so i i didn't want her at home trying to navigate you know the whole thing because how virtual is done with us it's not done as is it, like other counties other counties have a schedule from eight to nine it's this class 9 30 o'clock whatever well our virtual is really kind of independent learning there's modules they run themselves there is a teacher that you're going to schedule an appointment with but for the most part They kind of run, the the programs, kind of run themselves. So my sixth grader is at school every single day and she's thriving. And she struggled in elementary school reading. She doesn't have the best Lexile score. I mean, she just really struggled and she's thriving right now. And I think partly that's because Because the student, because parents were given the option, the classrooms are smaller. Even my classes, I'll I'll come back to me later. But because the classes are smaller, she's able to get the one-on-one. She's not as intimidated to ask questions. And she's just, I mean, she's just killing the game right now. I'm so proud of her because we have struggled through elementary. E- educators will know what RTI means or MTSS, whatever y'all call it in your county. But she's been in, she's she's in those programs or whatever. So she's she's thriving right now. I I've looked at the work, the teachers are teaching the standards. So there's no pretty much remediation. There's no trying to go back. She's in 6th grade. I don't see them trying to go back and do 5th grade stuff. But of course, if those students need additional assistance, the, the they can go to tutoring. Okay. But she's she's doing fine. As far as me on a high school level, I teach predominantly 10th, 11th, 12th graders. Which I would say about 50 to 60% of my students are 10th grade. The other 40, 50 or 11th and 12th grade. I teach a class that is required for graduation. Okay. So my students are doing well. I think they, they, they have impressed me. All right. So they're doing well. And I, I don't know if that's because, again, my classes are smaller. I normally have 35, 37 students in my class now i have 21 to 25 so you know some of the students being virtual has helped i'm able to you know cater to them cater to them we're not having milestones this year or eoc so i'm not under the pressure of a test so if it takes my students three weeks to get a concept, I'll, you know, I can I can slow down. Is basically what I'm saying. I don't have to be under the pressure to move so quickly because I have this um, end of course test coming up in December. So my students are doing well. I haven't seen any, you know, struggles. The, the students that I do, the students that I do have struggling. I'm able to look at their transcript and those students have traditionally always struggled. So to answer your question, I haven't seen a difference in my classroom academically and I haven't seen a difference with my own daughter. Okay.
2: And for us, um, I have seen a difference. Um, I think when we started, you know, March 13th was the last day of face-to-face of instruction for our students. And we already knew prior to COVID that we had students, for the most part, a lot of our students struggled with the virtual learning from the beginning. Um, so you know, we would offer often, you know, um, encourage students to take uh, classes face to face because when they tr- when they tried to take them virtually, whether it be in home or you know in the building, there'll be just we just see a little uh, a challenge there for them. So when we went. Um, Virtual in March, um, we had more of an asynchronous approach to learning, so that meant it was more like <clears throat> like a you receive this you know assignment, and then you have next week to turn it in on your own time, and you check in with them. <clears throat> but we found we had some challenges there with participation and timing and grading, and things are getting backed up. So as a district, uh, when we came back this year, we decided to have a more of a synchronous approach. Which means it's more like class periods, even though it's still virtual. So you know we have, you know, students logging in every morning for first, second, third, and fourth block, and then we ended at the end of the day with a um, uh, what do you call it? A uh, office hours for our our teachers, so that students could still be able to have some one-on-one time virtually, ask get some question answered, or give teachers an opportunity to you know do some research on preparing for the next day what we found was even though the participation is a lot better um we still had the struggles with you know just like adults in a zoom call a lot of times they're not 100 engaged staying at the screen for the entire time so you may have feelings with all going and they're, they're saying that they're there and then they're walking away or they're taking care of something else in the house so i think our only challenge now as it's getting better but it's not you know, where it should be um, for, the, for the majority would be to find out how to continue to engage students uh, virtually. I think it was said earlier, like when you have proximity with two students, you can really kind of change the stu- direction the student was going, uh, whether it be in class or they were off task, you can't do that over uh, a computer. So you, you already had those students who were struggling that were potentially hall walkers, they're, they're, they're not changing some of those students are still doing that but now that we don't have the proximity to be able to stand around a student and encourage them to you know con- you know do the work we may have other students who are on that borderline who's just kind of there just to be there but not really fully engaged my prediction is once we come back and we you know kind of do a diagnostic of where we are we will see we will see some you know some students who kind of fell back with this because there's no teaching like teaching, you know, face to face at this age group, yeah, that works, you know, when you have college classes and masters and so forth and so on. But you also have a little more, a more mature student that you're dealing with. We're dealing with 14 year olds, and wanting them to sit on a computer for basically six to eight hours a day. um, And taking information and take notes every day, five days a week, eventually is going to burn out. And we're in week um, one into week three of the school year. So we're going to kind of have to, you know, really monitor that because that's going to really be important for us to figure that out quick.
0: Frankie, have you noticed, um, have you noticed the dropout rate has increased?
2: So that's right now still a little challenging. We just came out our second week, which is when we really, are determining the no shows and the students who transferred. So we don't have that data yet. Okay. But um, what I would say it may be easier to consider someone to drop out if they're not participating in class. It's not as easy it's it's not as easy to you know do that when you're get on a bus in the morning to go to school, you're there, you may attend a class within the 10-day period that allows you to say that you were present at school that week when you're at home, you may not just log on at all, but it takes some time for us to even figure that, figure that out. So, mm-hmm. you know, once we get the teacher to say, hey, you know, Johnny didn't log in for the last week, uh, can someone check on him? Then that's a process to have, you know, student services worker go follow up and call them and, you know, and then it could be as simple as, you know, they didn't have proper Wi-Fi, you know, and now we need to fix it. So... It's kind of, we're not at the point where we can identify uh, a true dropout as of yet, number one, because it's still early, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's going to still take some, some, some things for us to go through to even identify them as a dropout first.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, Before I get to my last question, um, I just want to run this past y'all for your input. As I started working on this project, I was thinking and especially on your episode, I was thinking, do you think it would be beneficial, even if it's a 20-minute class, on mental health for the students to take, a required class for the students to take?
2: We actually have that. our schedule. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to name it, but we do have that in our um, curriculum or schedule. I don't want to say curriculum, but in our schedule, um, where every other day is 20 minutes cut out specifically for mental health uh, lessons dealing with you know maybe a pandemic um, there's some lessons that's talking about the social unrest in america and there it is a curriculum for it um, that the teachers are teaching simultaneously during that 20 minutes
0: that is awesome that is awesome how about your school Tamika? or do you think it will be beneficial Tamika, did we lose you? Oh
1: no. Can you yes, hear me? We can hear you. Okay, sorry. I yeah, I I don't I don't know if we have a mental health class. I I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know, but I definitely think it would be beneficial. I think mental health is always beneficial, so definitely.
0: Okay. Okay. So this is the way that I typically um, close out the podcast. We've come to the end of our podcast and because this is dealing with mental health, one way to um, lessen your anxiety and depression, we always like to walk away for our listeners to have some type of self-care tips. So just thinking about your role that you play in the education system, uh, whether you want to direct this self-care tip to the students To a colleague, to a parent, whoever you want to target it to, if you could share one self-care tip or two um, that will help someone else who's, who's maybe teaching virtually or teaching in the classroom or a student who's learning virtually or learning in the classroom or a colleague. That may be going through some of the things that you are going through. What are some self self care tips that have been beneficial to you um, during this whole pandemic?
2: Well, I can I'll start. <clears throat> One of the things that I implemented um, last year, where I really wanted to focus on mental health, so this had already been in place. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year for us is, you know, really talking about, you know, taking that one or two minutes um, that you can even go like on YouTube or whatever, or or, an app on your phone and like go through the whole process of breathing. And this is something that we did last year, like at every staff meeting. But I have, I would say, you know, each day as these days are really, you know, intense that you must take time to disconnect um, from what you have going on, either be in the morning before you get to work or at the end of the day before you go home or maybe both, where you just stop, you disconnect from everything, you take time, you breathe, you can go through one of those exercises and then come back into the, the world with, that does not involve all the stress that you have for those eight hours that you're in school. Another thing is I tell my teachers, you know, as I would have before, but now more than ever, on Fridays, I know that we're naturally teachers and we work you know, throughout the day, I mean, throughout the weekends. But at this, with for the work we're doing now, we need you to relax for late release and spend time with your family or loved ones, so that you will not get caught up completely in the stress that that's coming with this this uh, particular job. It would be the same thing I would tell the students. You know, you know, make sure that you still remain, you know, students, kid, kids, children, whatever it may be, because a lot is being asked of them. Some of the things that we're asking of them we couldn't we wouldn't be able to do ourselves and it is stressful and like i said earlier we don't want to put our students in positions where you know they are you know moving towards harm because they are stressed out or going through anxiousness due to what we're requiring of them so be able to also cut off and if i was a parent you know i am a parent make sure you take a time where you say all right cut that computer off for the day. And let's just take some family time or let's just you know do something that doesn't reflect on what you have going on on that computer because it can get drawn you'll get drawn in and be stuck on it and you'll never be able to leave that that area
1: great what what i what i've been doing for myself is basically you know for me in the mornings I play music before the students enter in the classroom. That's something that I would do from time to time, but now every day for me, it's a must. It's a must, it's, it's a must that I listen to something and, and, and each morning is different. Sometimes it's crunk music, sometimes it's mellow music, depending on whatever mood I'm in, but I have to have something just to kind of get me going also, I'm, I'm doing walks. I, I go out on nature walks. I don't want to be inside. It's like I'm, a, I'm appreciating a good sweat, all right? And then for my for my students, I let them, once, once instruction, once I've given instruction, because I'm trying to keep them from talking to each other so much, and I'm a teacher that typically I don't really mind them conversing because, you know, that's how you learn, group work. But trying to minimize them being in each other's face so much that when I'm done giving instruction, I let them put their headphones in their ear. I let them get in their zone and just kind of zone out and just tune everybody out. So for me, it's it's been my it's been my music. It's been my it's been my walks and. I, I don't have students that are overly anxious. My, my students are happy to be there. Nobody's concerned about getting coronavirus because they don't wear their masks. Mm-hmm. So that shows you that they're not concerned. So I, I really don't deal with anxious students. They are 100% the, the students that I have in my classroom are 100% fine. They, they are a OK. They won't wipe that desk down. If you put a Clorox wipe in their hand, they are OK, okay. with being there. I'm just going to be honest, like they're fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm more on edge than them. So it's one of those situations for me. It's like, shoot, if you can't beat them, join them. So I've just I've just had to to ease my anxiety. I've just had to let a lot of it go. I make sure that I'm okay. I make sure that my area is clean and prep I, I I give them I equip them with all the tools to do the same but i just I just had to give up carrying that burden you know, but for me it's it's music and I allow them to do the same thing okay okay
0: well that we have come to the end of our episode unless you have any burning points that you just really need to get out. Um, do you have any burning points that you need to get out? Do you think you've said everything? I,
1: I will say okay. this, okay? Um, and Frankie, you know, you're an administrator, whatever. I will say this. I was one of those teachers that I was overly anxious about going back into the classroom and just a little bit background about me i'm divorced i'm a single mom my, my my family lives two states over my 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 ex-husband lives three hours away okay so i'm single parent full fledged. so i was like okay if i get sick What's gonna happen? Like, what is going to happen? Like, I am everything to my kids. My family is two states over, yada, yada, yada. You guys are from North Carolina, so you guys know not not living with family. So I had all that anxiety. I will say this. I can honestly say, and I never thought I would say this. I am so happy to be face-to-face every day with my students. I am so happy that I'm not teaching all day virtual. I'm so happy I can see their face. I can see when they get it. I can see what they don't understand. And I'm so happy that my sixth grader is sitting in front of a teacher every day and is thriving. And five weeks ago, I would have not said that. So that's just my end of thought.
0: And I appreciate that. I mm-hmm. really appreciate that because what we see on the news sometimes isn't, you know, that that positive message from the educator side. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, and I just I think on the piece that I would definitely say is the energy that um, you get from students being in your building, especially as an educator, that a true educator, is second to none when you actually can feel the energy them being around you, you know, that is missed. So hopefully when, you know, we are at a point for us as a district where we feel that way, you know, every and all parameters are put in place that we can move forward to that. But uh, I definitely can say, you know, the energy is not there, uh, especially for a principal who can't hear the bell ring and hear voices walking down the hall right now. So I agree with that. But uh, hopefully it comes back. When it comes back, and waiting for a safe return.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to um let you enjoy the rest of your weekend before you start a busy week and look for a couple of emails from me about next steps. All right. All right. All right.
2: Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Bye-bye. All
2: right. Bye-bye.